that our cup runneth over, Father. Father, you fill us with all the goodness of God. Father, in fact, you said that the Spirit of God in us will flow out of us like rivers of living water, Father. Father, nothing can contain a river. Father, there's no, no cup, no, no reservoir, reservoir, Father, no lake can contain the river. Father, you filled us to overflowing with your Spirit, Father. And we carry this river, Father. It can't be constrained. It can't be held back. Father, nothing can stop this river that flows from our hearts. Rivers of the Spirit of God to help those around us, Father. To aid and assist. To pray, Father. To lay hands on the sick. There's nothing that can contain the river of the Spirit of God. And Father, we are filled to overflowing. Our cup runs over, Father. We thank you, Father for the spirit of the living God who dwells in us. Father, you're great and mighty. And your spirit is great and mighty, Father. Father, we choose to yield to your spirit. All that we do, all that we say, Father. To lay hands on the sick and to watch them recover, Father. To speak a word, Father, in due season. To assist and to help, Father. Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Spirit of God. Because you're great, Father. And you chose to send him to the earth on our, for us, Father, on our behalf. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're great, Father. Great and mighty are you, Father. Great and mighty are you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For the great goodness of the Lord. The great kindness of the Lord. praise and honor, Father. We thank you for all the wonderful blessings that you've given to us and the word of God that you that you carefully provided for us, Father. Filling us with your spirit and granting us eternal life. And for all of these things, Father, for we thank you. Father, we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. He's good all the time. He doesn't know how to be anything but good. Amen. Uh, and so we thank the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Uh, so let's open up our Bibles to the book of John chapter 16. We'll continue there today. We've been talking about overcoming. And, um, you know, as a pastor, one of the greatest desires in my heart is to instruct people in the Word of God to the point that they understand, number one, they have the ability to always overcome in every single circumstance of their life. There's not a circumstance where defeat is guaranteed uh, according to the Word of God. Uh, there's every circumstance where, according to the Word of God, victory is guaranteed. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, now, do we live at 100% overcoming in our lives? Well, you know, maybe not. <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord to decide, right, just how far along that path you are. But the, the thing that uh, uh, in studying the Word of God, uh, you have to train yourself to live in the hope of the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God, it says, I've overcome the world. In fact, that's what Jesus said here in John 16, 33. These things have I, I have spoken unto you that you might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation. Well, he just got done saying that he wants us to have peace. And then he, 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 he continues that on with, you're going to have tribulation. Well, you know, uh, you can have peace in the midst of tribulation. Amen. Uh, and people can fuss at you. You can be at peace. Amen. Uh, and uh, I've had people fuss at me just recently. And I'm still at peace. Amen. Uh, he said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the world. So, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed and overcome in, in your own life, the, the thing that you need to train yourself as you read the Word of God is always to start with the hope of what the Word says. That if the Word says you can be an overcomer, then you need to have the hope in your heart that I can do that. Even if you're not doing it right now, you need to train yourself that when you read the Word of God and it's something that maybe in your mind is, I could never be that way. I could never get to that point. See, you've not accepted the hope of the Word. Get to the hope of the Word of God and, and say, well, Lord, if it says that, then I can do that. If it says that I can live this way, then I can live this way. Even if you're not living that way. Uh, many times we defeat our own faith by reading a, a Bible and go, I could never do that. Uh, in fact, then we uh, sing this morning that, uh, you know, that all things are possible uh, to him, right, who believeth. Uh, and so, is that a true statement? All things are possible? But all things are possible to who? Those that believe, amen. So what things are possible to those who don't believe? Well, not nearly as much, right? I mean, you can get by just doing some things in your own strength, right? Own talent, own ability. But, uh, you know, you're only going to go so far. But if you operate in your own faith, all things are possible to him that believes. So uh, now some people, I don't believe that. There you go, right there, just to prove my point, right? And so you're living at 100% of your faith because, you know, if you say you don't believe it, that's really faith, right? Unbelief is the same thing as faith. It's just in the wrong direction, right? Well, I don't believe God do that. Well, that's really great faith because you're living at 100% of your faith. Uh, God never speaks to me. Well, that's great. You're living at 100% of your faith. God doesn't do miracles anymore. That's great. You're living at 100% of your faith. Uh, and, you know, some, some unbelievers, you know, people in the church that, un, that don't believe, have got greater faith in their unbelief than a lot of Christians in their own belief. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, you really need to have a, 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 an attitude when you read the word of God to get the hope that's out of that verse and, and to declare in your own heart. Uh, and many times I'll just say that outright, you know, Lord, I'm going to live that way. I'm going to do, I'm going to be this person. If I, if you said you've overcome, then I'm, then I declare with my own mouth, I can be that person who overcomes. Uh, and even if you're not there, You've got to start your journey of faith with a confession of what the Word of God says. Uh, and so, so Jesus said that. So his desire is that the church overcomes. And it's been my observation, just as a general observation, as a, as a church overall, you know, not, in, not anybody in particular, not any church in particular, but just the church as a whole, that, you know, we don't really do very good at overcoming. We're, we're, we're beat down by the same things the world's beat down with. We're, we're overcome by the same thing the world's overcome with. We're, we're fussing and fighting the same things the world is fussing and fighting about. Uh, you know, I mean, if you, if you take 100 people and, and uh, just at random uh, and you say, which ones are the church? It'd be hard to find out, find which one's the church, you know. It ought to be, you take 100 people at random and which one's the church? It's all those are overcome. Yeah, they're there, the healthiest there, the happiest there, the prosperous over there. You know, they've overcome everything in their life. That's got to be the church. But, you know, a lot of times like, well, you know, Rather just, how's the battle going? Oh, just like everybody else's. You know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, no, that's not the church, right? We're, we are the overcoming uh, organization of the earth. A and we need to overcome because we have uh, an enemy that's arrayed against us called the devil who's doing everything he can to, to uh, thwart the desire of God to get the gospel to all the world. Amen. That's the only reason the church exists is to get the gospel out. If the gospel was done getting out to everybody in the world, we'd go home to be with the Lord. The Lord would come back. Uh, you know, he'd wipe everything out, get all a bunch of new stuff, and we'd move on. Amen. But uh, we've not accomplished that goal, apparently. So, you know, because he, he says one of the end, end goals is to is everybody hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so, and, and there needs to be a great revival. Uh, and that hasn't happened yet. And so, uh, it's the Lord's kind of waiting on us about a lot of things, amen? Uh, but we need to start in the house of the Lord and be really the example. Our testimony needs to be what has the Lord done for us, not, you know, what, is, what has the world done to us. Uh, a lot of times it's what the world, well, that same thing is same done to you, is done to me, right? Uh, and, oh, here, here it goes again. Oh, you know, uh, I just, you know, uh, I've always taken one step forward, two steps back, you know? And then, of course, you know, we live in Tennessee and, you know, uh, uh, and uh, by law, you're required to watch Hee Haw. You were, you know, when I was a kid anyway. Uh, and you have to sing that song, you know, uh, if, it, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Right. You ever heard that song? Right. It's like the worst song ever. Right. I mean, it's like, you know, the worst song. Uh, and uh, but I, and I know Christians, you know, if I didn't have any bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. You know, it's like 
you know, this guy sings that song and it's not somebody I want to be. But, the, but people believe that. Well, number one, I don't even believe in luck. You know, I believe in destiny and, and faith. Amen. Uh, and so, but you know, in the church, we sing the same songs the world sings. Well, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all, right? Gloom, despair, and agony on me, right? <laughs> Uh, uh, and so uh, the words, you know, they, they just kind of, uh, they just kind of, they just kind of, I used to sing that song a lot, you know, before I was a Christian. And so, uh, but, uh, but Jesus has overcome the world. Didn't it? What did he say? He said, uh, he said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Right? Uh, he didn't say be good cheer because I've blessed you with, with a hundredfold return. He didn't say be good cheer because I've, I've given you divine health for all the days of your life. He didn't say be a good cheer because you're on your way to heaven. He said be good cheer in the midst of tribulation because I've overcome. See, that, that's the, the point we need to get and set on our hearts that, you know, if Jesus has given us the answer, why are we concerned about anything? Uh, don't you have an answer for, for well, I, I'm just sad. Well, then get the joy of gladness on you, right? Uh, put on the robe of righteousness and... and, and uh, be filled with the joy of the Lord. Amen. Didn't he say that the joy of the Lord is your strength? Uh, and well, you know, I just I just I get so angry. Well, the Bible says be angry and sin not. Uh, didn't it say that? Uh, well, I just I just I just can't quit doing that. Well, didn't the Bible say put off the old man and put on the new man? I mean, uh, there's there's an answer for everything. It, 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 the question is, do you want the answer? Right. I, I believe, you know, the, the word of God is the answer for all of our woes. Amen. It's not in, 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 I mean, yet another stimulus, you know, you guys want to get another check from the government? I mean, we just, they just keep on writing checks, you know, just praise God, you know, just send us a check. Well, that's not how I overcome. I overcome because of the blood of a lamb and the word of my testimony, amen? I mean, thank God for the stimulus checks uh, that helps people, but that's not the how I overcome. That's not my, that's not my faith as well. The government's going to come through. Uh, you know, if the government just shut down tomorrow, uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably be a little happy about it. But, you know, if the government shut down tomorrow, it wouldn't change my life at all. Amen. I'd be the same exact person before and after. If they started back up the day after that, I'd still be happy. Amen. I'm not going to be sad because they're doing stuff. I'm not going to be sad because they're not doing stuff. Uh, my, my overcoming is in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Uh, and my ability to overcome is only in the Lord Jesus. The government's got nothing to do with it. My, my job has got nothing to do with it. My health has got nothing to do with it. My family, my background, my raising has got nothing to do with it. I, I remember years ago, I talked to a grown man. He said, I can never be successful because of the way my mama raised me. He said those words as a Christian. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, the Bible, Jesus didn't say, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, unless your mama raised you wrong. And then it's just too bad. Is that a footnote? I mean, what version of the Bible have you got, right? Uh, if you if you got bad raising, then sorry, you can't overcome. Uh, I mean, is that, thank God it doesn't say that, because, you know, I mean, would any of us survive that uh, statement there? I mean, we, most of us are raised by a pack of wolves anyway, right, for the most part. Uh, and so, and you look at how you was raised, it's like, I can't believe we did those things, you know, ate those things, did those things, you know. I remember growing up, we, we did in the summertime, we'd, we'd, you know, I, most of y'all did the same thing too. In the morning, you know, mom said, get out of the house. And we'd say bye, and she wouldn't see us till dinner time. We'd be everywhere. We'd be, you know, just miles and miles away from the house, you know, tramping through, you know, uh, uh, pastures. And we'd find an old cow pond and go uh, skinny dip in a cow pond. And you think about, you know, the plague was, I'm sure, in all those ponds, you know, because those cows are nasty, right? And, and, you, and you, if, if, if there's only three inches of, of water, you can't see the bottom. There's nasty mud and sticky mud. You walk into that pond in there. And we'd go swimming that stuff all day long, you know, and, 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 and then come home and just, you know, we still wouldn't take a bath once a week. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you get farm pond mud on you, you know, you probably don't smell so good. But, uh, but you know, we, uh, I can't imagine letting my kids do that nowadays, right? But, uh, but, you know, we did. And we survived, though, didn't we? We survived. It was okay. Nobody died and, and all was well. And so, uh, but my overcoming has got nothing to do with how I was raised. It's got nothing to do with my background and my experience. You know, I remember one person told me and Jerry, in fact, one time, said, you know, you guys don't have to walk in faith because you have a degree, a college degree. It's like, it doesn't say, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world as long as you get a degree. If you don't get a degree, it's just too bad for you. You know, you're never going to overcome without a degree, right? But then you get the other side of the story. Well, you did just some things you can't learn from a book, you know. Well, what's the Bible? You know, isn't it a book? I mean, it's the greatest book ever written. And, and they just, you know, people got attitudes about everything. Well, you just, 
you know, you, you, uh, you don't have to walk by faith because you've got a degree in a wall. How many successful or, or failed uh, college degree persons have you met in your life? A lot of them, right? Does a pa- piece of paper guarantee success? No, it doesn't got nothing to do with nothing, right? Success is in the person. And they'll be successful whether they have a piece of paper or not. And if you know the word of God, you, you can be successful regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your experience in, in, in anything. You can overcome in every situation. And that, that's the thing that uh, we need to have the hope for. So uh, the, the, the entire point of, of this message, and we're going to be walling around in, in here for a while, is to you know, look at some of the things that the church goes through. Jesus had a lot to say about overcoming in, in the book of Revelation to the church. What, aren't we the church? Then we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus said to the church, some of the things that they were experiencing, some of the things that they, they were uh, suffering under. And, and then Jesus, every single one of them, he said, you need to overcome. No matter what they were going through, you need to overcome. And he said, if you overcome, then I've got great blessings for you. Uh, and so here in, in uh, 1 John chapter 2, let's uh, start here in verse uh, 12. It says, uh, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven uh, for his name's sake. Well, are your sins forgiven? Well, sure. Are they forgiven because you're such a wonderful person? No, why were your sins forgiven? Because of Jesus, amen? Not got anything to do with you. Uh, and so uh, don't take it out, well, I'm such a wonderful person. Well, that may be true, but that doesn't get your sins removed, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, I run unto you, uh, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. Uh, and so he's starting to make some distinction about, you know, the body of Christ, that some people are little children. Here, some people are fathers. Uh, then he said, um, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. Uh, and so, you know, he, uh, and in verse 14, he says, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So uh, he, he talks about the, the young children, the little children, that their sins are forgiving. And that's really, when you're born again, that's all you know. My sins are forgiven, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, you may not know anything more than that. Uh, but if you know that, you're good, that's a good place to start, amen? Uh, and then he goes to, he jumps over the young men and goes to the fathers. He, and, and I like how he wrote that because you have known uh, the father from the beginning. So one of the aspects of spiritual growth is to be faithful in your relationship with the Lord. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Christians, they're, uh, they're here today, gone tomorrow. You know, they're, 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 they're over here today, over there tomorrow. And, you know, they're in sin, they're out of sin, in sin, out of sin. Uh, and, you know, they don't consistently have that relationship with the Lord that they need all of their life. They'll forget about the Lord for a season, you know, go to church for a day and then forget the Lord for a month. And, oh, yeah, I should go to church. And, you know, I'm faithful to go to church every Easter and, and Christmas, you know, uh, regardless of what's going on outside. Uh, well, you know, the, the fathers, the mature ones have known the father from the beginning. And, and you know, for me personally, uh, people that, that I want to follow in the ministry, people that, that uh, I want to see uh, uh, as far as what can they add to my life, I want to see what their track record is. I don't really care that they built a brand new uh, giant building, you know. Uh, where were you a year ago, right? Uh, have you been with the Lord all this time? Uh, that's why, you know, we uh, told you about that book from Pastor Anderson. He's been pastoring the exact same church for 41 years. 41 years, right? That's a long time to pass to do anything. Amen. Much less pastor the same church for 41 years. That's somebody that, that uh, surely has got things that, that I can add to my life. Amen. That's somebody who's known the Father from the beginning. Amen. That's why I like, like uh, hanging around Brother Randy. Uh, I mean, after he got out of jail, right? Uh, you know, he, he's been in the ministry it, it took him a year after the jail because the, the Bible school wouldn't let him apply until he was out of jail for a year. They wanted to make sure he was going to be faithful because uh, he was telling a story about when, uh, of course, you get out of jail, you have to have a parole officer. And he went in the parole officer all big and his, you know, his feathers were all puffed up. And he was saying, oh, I'm going to preach the gospel and go all around the world and do all these things. Uh, and uh, he said the parole officer had a, had a docket like this thick, like two inches thick of his records, and he just opened it up, and it said, you know, armed robbery, you know, this or that, you know, eating fatty foods or whatever, all the things that were that he had been arrested for, 
you know, robbery and, 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 and um, drugs and, and all kinds of stuff. He's just flipping it over and just saying all the things he'd done. Uh, and, and the more he talked, you know, the, 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 the lower that Brother Randy's feathers fell. Uh, and finally, the parole officer said to him, said, son, he said, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, because how many had come in and sang that same song? I've changed. I'm a different man. You know, I went to jail. Now I'm a totally different person. He said, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, and, uh, and Brother Randy, you know, had a great attitude. He said, sir, I appreciate that. He said, uh, I'll prove it to you. Uh, and, and later on, uh, uh, the parole officer told him, said, I just want to thank you that, uh, that you did what you said you was going to do. He said, he said he has... Uh, been in the situation where so many times they've all lied to him. He said, I've been lied to so many times. And, uh, and they, they all sing the story about how wonderful they, they're going to do. Well, see, that's little children who sing all those things. Oh, I'm going to do all these things, right? Well, where are they tomorrow? See, they have not known the Father from the beginning. See, Brother Randy has shown that he's known the Father from the beginning, right? And he's been in ministry all these years, faithful. You know, for me, you know, Brother Hagen, the Lord's always had me to follow Brother Hagen. He was in ministry 70 years, 70 years, preaching the same, same truth, right? He didn't just, you know, a lot of preachers, you follow their ministry and they're preaching this thing over here. And then five years later, it's like, well, all that was wrong. We've moved on to new things. And then five years later, all that was wrong. We've moved on to new things. It was, well, what about the old things? You know, what about that thing? You said that, you said that was God. And now it's not God, you know, what, what, and I understand we get progressive revelation, you know, we don't know everything there is to know, but the revelation we get tomorrow should build upon the revelation we have today. It shouldn't be knocking it down to the ground and starting back over every, every six months, every six years. Now we should go, you know, I learned something more about faith today that I didn't know yesterday. Let me tell you what that is. Uh, and see that that's people that uh, have known the father from the beginning. Uh, and then he says, the young men, he said twice, he talked about the young men, because they have overcome the wicked one. So he's implying that, that uh, it takes a certain level of spiritual growth to get to a point where you have the ability to overcome the enemy on a regular basis. Uh, as, as a young Christian, you know, you don't even know what the word of God says. And our overcoming is going to come from the word of God. It's not going to come from being strong-willed or being smarter or whatever than somebody else. It's going to come from your knowledge of the Word of God. Well, that doesn't start the day that you're born again. Uh, you know, you don't have everything you need to know at the day you get born again. But hopefully, as you stay in the Word of God, because that's what he says there in verse 14, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abideth in you. So why are they strong? Because the Word of God abides in them, right? Uh, and, you know, do you know what the Word of God says, Right. You know, it's always amazing to me, you get around people and they'll tell you uh, every, every single piece of medication they're taking, they've got 18 different things they take every day and can tell you all the Latin words for everything. They can tell you what the dosage is every day. Well, it's 60 milligrams. You know, I was on 40 milligrams, but now I'm on 60 milligrams, you know. And, you know, I'm thinking about going to 80 milligrams. I mean, like, what does that even mean, right? Uh, what do those words mean? I'm sure they mean something, but, you know, but what about, uh, uh, what, what's Exodus 15, 26 say? I have no idea. Well, where's the book of Exodus? I don't know. Well, where's Exodus 15, 26? I don't know. It's in Exodus 15, 26, right? Uh, and so they don't know the word of God. And then you don't have to be able to know that it's Exodus 15, 26. It says that I am the Lord who healeth thee. Uh, but it wouldn't hurt to know that it says somewhere that, uh, I mean, even Paul one time wrote, said, said somewhere it's written. Of course, he had scrolls, right? There wasn't book, chapter, and verse. Back then it was scroll number 56, you know. Well, how far do you have to scroll over to get to, you know? And you, you, I'm sure you'd be like, you know, don't quote anything from Isaiah 66, right? Because that's a big scroll. You know? you know, don't don't uh, quote uh, Psalm 150, right? Just quote Psalm number one. You don't have to scroll nearly as far. Uh, and so, but he said, the young men uh, are strong because the word of God abides in them. So now we start to get some information about how we overcome is by your knowledge of the word of God. Do you know what the Bible says? Do you know what the Bible says about the circumstances you're in right now and how to respond? Because a lot of times, well, you know, I don't have to put up with that. Is, there, is that a Bible verse somewhere, you know? I deserve that thing, right? I always love that one. I deserve that. You know, I deserve to be treated right. Based on what information, right? I mean, and when, when we deserve what the Lord Jesus has done for us because of what he did, not because we've earned it, but 
so we're, we're due all the rights and privileges of heaven because of his namesake, right? You know, we read earlier about that we're forgiven for his namesake. Uh, but a lot of times people will say things, right, that aren't even scriptural. Uh, I told you about the, the minister one time that he was driving some nice fancy BMW and the other minister that was in the same car said, well, you deserve this car. I'm like, what? Based on what? I mean, you know, because you've been faithful. I mean, are we, are, we, are we getting paid by the Lord to do this job? I mean, we already have everything that we, that's been given, to life, uh, been given to us that, that pertains to life and godliness. So what more could we obtain than that? Amen. So, I mean, we don't earn a new car, uh, uh, a new car, right? I mean, it's not, God's not like Oprah or anything, right? Um, he's bigger than Oprah. You know, you go to Oprah and sometimes they just give a new car to everybody. Uh, and, um, and so, so, so if you're going to be an overcomer, then you're going to have to know something about the word of God. You're going to have to know what the Bible specifically says, not what a book about the Bible. I read this book the other day. It's great. That's nice. What's the Bible say? I don't know. But, I, but this guy right here wrote this great book. And I'm not obviously opposed to, to reading books. Uh, but, you know, for me, you know, if a book isn't just just an expounding upon the word of God, I got no interest in reading it. You know, I mean, a lot of these Christian books, they're just they're just psychology. It's the psychology of overcoming. And they just, well, you know, you need to work through your feelings and understand what's the source of your feelings. And, you know, what's the root of that feeling that you had there? You know, it, it could be wrapped up in your relationship with your parents or, you know, in, in your own self-worth. And you need to understand, you know, and it's like blah, 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 blah. It's just psychology. Uh, I don't need to know any of that stuff. I need to know I'm an overcomer. Okay, Lord. It's not about, you know, how my mama treated me or how I feel about myself. Uh, you know, if, if you read enough Bible, you would think really good about yourself. You know, I used to have really low self-esteem. I started reading the Word of God. And now I realize I'm a child of God. A king died for me. His blood on the cross was shed just for me. Now, I don't know about you, but it was shed for me. How could I possibly think bad about myself? Oh, I'm just so unworthy. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. How, how can you be unworthy? A king, yeah. the king of kings died just for you. Yeah. How could you ever feel inadequate? Yeah. I just don't feel like, you know, I just don't feel very, you know, important, you know. And, 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 uh, based on what? Yeah. Not based on the word of God. The word of God says that he, God so loved you, the whole world. That he gave his only son. Would you give your own child for anybody in the world? Someone knocks on the door. Hey, um, you know, I'm feeling sick. If you could kill your child, that would be great. You know, I'd, I'd feel better. If you, well, you know, we'd just like, here, let, let me uh, meet uh, two folks, Smith and Wesson. And, and, um, and we'll talk about that later on, right? Uh, no, that would be insane, right? But Jesus did that for you. How could you think poorly about yourself, right? Uh, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just never do good. Well, then do good. I mean, it's a, you know, uh, this, this whole thing, and I, and I know looking back, it's easier for me because I figured it out over the years about what the Word of God says, and, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't deal with these things. But some of these times we, we wallow in these things for decades, 10, 20, 30, 40 years of, of feeling inadequate and feeling, you know, like I'll just, I'll just you know, well, you know, everybody's got a bad day every now and then. You don't have to have any bad days, but, you know, most folks have a bad day every now and then. But, you know, a bad decade, a bad 50 years, you know, that's a little excessive, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 see, if, you've not, if you don't know the Word of God, then what category are you in then? Because the little children don't know the Word of God, and the young men know the Word of God, and the, and the fathers have been faithful. So if you, if you don't even know what the Word of God says, you're still back in stage one. Now, you can stay, you know, the church is not social promotion. The, the, you'll stay in stage one all your life if that's where, you, if that's where you're okay with, right? If you're okay with, with thinking the things that you think and not overcoming. I mean, that's, some people do. Some people, you know, you meet them and they're still baby Christians. It's like, well, how long have you been a Christian? Uh, 87 years uh, tomorrow, right? Uh, it's like, well, do you know any Bible? Well, not any yet, but, you know, I'm working on it. And, uh, and, and so, you know, the, the, they get grumpy and mean and, and you know, ornery over, over the years. Uh, why? They don't know the Word of God. And so there's a lot of people that's been in the, in the church for many years, but they're still, you know, essentially little children, right? Babes in Christ. Uh, why? Because they are not strong because the Word of God does not, over, does not uh, abide in them. Amen. 
So uh, guaranteed, uh, if you don't know, and again, you don't have to be able to quote the Bible. You know, somebody came to me and said, I quote the entire book of Ephesians. And I didn't say anything, but I thought, you know, if you would just do the book of Ephesians, you know, I'm not impressed that you can quote it, but it'd be better if you actually did the book of Ephesians, right? Talks about treating your wife right. Talks about, you know, uh, that uh, uh, who we are in Christ, you know, there that we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, right? Children obey your fathers. Uh, you know, we wrestle all against flesh and blood. Uh, we have the whole armor of God. I mean, are you living in all those things, right? Who cares if you can quote the, the whole book of Ephesians? Uh, I mean, praise God that you can, but it doesn't say uh, you are strong because uh, uh, you can quote the book of Ephesians. It, it abides in you, right? It's part of who you are. So, you know, for me, I want to think like the Word of God thinks. I want it to become a part of who I am. I want to, if the Bible says that I could be full of joy, then I want to think that. You know, some people, they just, you get around them and it's like, oh, what is, it's like, is that a gray cloud following me everywhere you go? I mean, everywhere they go, there's a gray cloud, right? And, and I mean, no matter what happens, you know, uh, and we, we were watching one of those shows about like the lottery winners, right? What did the guy win, like a million dollars? I mean, he like won a million dollars on lottery. That'd be a good tithe right there, right? $100,000, right? In fact, every now and then we get a lottery ticket in the offering, right? It's like, praise God, if we win a billion dollars, you know, we'll, we'll tithe on that too. And so, uh, but, you know, he won a million dollars. He said, yeah, he says, I, just, I just wish it was more. Like, okay, that's somebody that no matter how good it is, it ain't good enough, right? Uh, and that's pretty good, right? I mean, yesterday you didn't have a million dollars. Today you got a million dollars. I mean, how is that bad? Well, it would be better if it was two million. It's like, wow, that's, that's really... That's really, and, but there are people that are that way, right? No matter how good it is, it ain't good enough. Uh, and, but, you know, when you read the Word of God, how good is the Word of God if you can live in its fullness? I mean, it's top shelf, right? And yet, how many times do people go, yeah, just, you know, sometimes the Word of God just doesn't come through. You know, that, that gets me riled up. I, I mean, I, I, I've listened to people preach. Well, you know, there's times when, when, you know, the bill collectors are calling, you don't have any money, and you're broke, and, you know, all these things. And I'm, I'm thinking... No, my Bible says that I was young and now I'm old. And what? I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Never. Is that what what the Bible says, right? Psalm 34. Uh, Never. Never. Not a single time. So I can't get up and preach that. Uh, You know, we had a revival one time. Ladies up preaching about, oh. And she started bending over. Oh, the devil's been on my back all week long. I mean, that's just... You know, I just had to put a seatbelt on in my chair because I just wanted to just jump up and say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Devil's been, kick him off. Yeah. He isn't going to write to, to lead you around. Right. Uh, uh, oh. And what she, you know, she's just trying to pull on your heartstrings, right? And a lot of people, they think the only way they can get you to, to, to like them or pre- is to get you to feel sorry for them. Uh, that's the last thing I ever want from anybody to ever feel sorry for me, yeah. right? I mean, right. um, I'm rarely sick. In fact, I don't even remember the last time I was sick, but... You know, I don't want nobody petting on me. Oh, honey, can I get you a cloth? A, 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 no, leave me alone. I'll be fine in just a minute. Go away. Uh, and so I don't want nobody petting on me uh, when I'm feeling. But some people love to be pet on. Oh, they just love. Uh, and and they, will never, they will never get out of stage one because the Bible doesn't, doesn't lend itself to that mentality. The Bible lends itself to us thinking, I'm an overcomer. I over every single thing that comes my way, I overcome it. I have victory in every single thing. Nothing can defeat me. Uh, and, and, I, and that's just, that's the way I think. And you, you know, after a while you think that way, then, then it just changes who you are. No matter what comes your way, it's just a thing, right? No, no, matter, what says anybody, no matter what anybody says about you, it's just a thing, right? Uh, because I know who I am in the Lord. Uh, and so I'm going to do, uh, you know, I'm going to be strong, because I want the word of God to abide in me. And what's the result of that? I have overcome the wicked one. Well, where is the source of all of our problems? The wicked one. So if we've overcome the wicked one, who's left to overcome? I mean, you know, the lunch lady is not really on the list, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, you know, overcome the lunch lady. Well, you know, unless she is uh, yielding to the wicked one, not really a, ne- a need for that, right? Uh, and so... so uh, so he spends a little time there talking about the three different people, and, and he even goes on and talks about some more uh, some other things related to little children there. But, uh, but uh, just, just check to see where you are, right, on this, on this scope. 
Uh, do you know the Word of God? Okay, if you know the Word of God, again, that doesn't mean you can quote every single book, chapter, and verse. That just knows that when, when something rises up, see, for me, having done this for many years, in every circumstance I, I, I walk through, immediately the Word of God rises up in my heart. And I may not know, sometimes I've got to go look it up. Well, where is that? You know, I don't know where that particular, but I know it's in there somewhere, and I know this is generally what it's saying. But that Word of God will rise up. And what is it? It's my shield. It's just, oh, well, then I can overcome that. Uh, he's by my side. Oh, well, then I can overcome that. He lives inside me. Well, then I can overcome that. He reveals uh, things to come. Well, then I can overcome that. So, so uh, that's really what he's talking about in every circumstance, regardless. Uh, you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, every time the devil said something, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Now, he didn't say it's written in the scroll of such and such on this chapter. You know, there's so many rolls, you know, through there. He just said it's written. Uh, and so it's not always necessary to quote book, chapter, and verse. It's just necessary to know where th- that it is written. Uh, and so, uh, so you, if you start that, see, then you have the capacity to overcome. And, and that's, just, that's just kind of a, a, a young man stage, right? That's a young man stage. That's a, it's not a little child, but, you know, you're a young man. So, you know, you're a teenager, you know, early 20s. I guess that's a young man, right? Uh, and, and, but then he talks about the fathers. See, if you, if you live in the young man stage long enough, you will become a faithful person and someday it'll say, and you fathers have known the father from the beginning. So you'll be consistent. Uh, and, and it always, you know, it always kind of bothers me for Christians when I see them that they're very inconsistent in their, in their lives. You know, uh, well, you know, where do you go to church? Well, well, which one? I've been to 87 churches in the last 87 days, right? Well, that's not very consistent. Well, well, how's your wife doing? Which one? I've had 87 wives in 87 days, right? Wow, you know, well, how about your job? How's it going? Uh, I don't know. Which one? I've had 87 jobs in 87 days, right? Uh, it, it, well, that's not very consistent, right? Uh, the, the thing that will result in your life about being an overcomer is that you are always heading, moving forward. And you're not getting pulled to this side. You're not getting pulled to that side. You're always progressing with the Lord. And there's a path in your life. Uh, and so it, it's a good way to be, amen? So let's turn over to the book of Revelation. And uh, we're going to spend a little time here. So uh, at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, uh, the, the John, uh, the Lord Jesus spoke to John specifically, right? It wasn't, it wasn't an angel. It was the Lord Jesus came to John and said, write these things down. Some things he said, don't write it down. You know, then why'd you show it to him? You know, you told him not to write it down. But, but these things he told him to write down. And so he went through seven different churches and said, uh, go tell these churches these things. And, and so, well, why do you think he told them that? Well, for your benefit and my benefit. Aren't we part of the church? Can we learn from some of the success and failures of other churches without having to, to fail ourselves and say, well, yeah, okay, they did that. That didn't work out too well for them. Let's not do that. Right? They did this right here. That was good. Jesus commended them for that. Well, then let's do that. Yeah, and, and that's a much better way to learn. Well, I come from the school of hard knocks. You know, that just tells me you're not very smart because... You know, if, if, the, if the light is red, then, um, you know, stop. Yeah. I ran the red light and, and I got, you know, was in a major accident. You know, I guess I learned from the school of hard knocks. You can just learn from the red light, dummy, right? I mean, if it's red, don't go. Uh, and that's, isn't that a better way to learn? I'd much rather, you know, why, why do you think the Lord reco- recorded all the failures of Israel in the Old Testament? He, the Bible says these things are written for our admonition, right? Our instruction. Here's a mistake they made. Don't do that, right? But sometimes you go, yeah. No. I, you know, we love the ones about, about Egypt. You know, uh, uh, you know, they've been out of, out of Egypt for like a week, maybe not even that long. And immediately they're murmuring, you brought us out here to die. You mean the same God that parted the Red Sea, that made all the ten plagues of Israel, uh, the same God that, that overcame the strongest army on the planet at the time, and you're saying he brought you out here to die. And then later on, they went and said, you know, we had it better in Egypt. You mean when you were slaves and had to work and toil uh, at, at the, for the benefit of somebody else, not for you, and live in, live in, in squalor all your life? That was better. And, and, but there's people that say, you know, we had it better in the world. It was better in the world. You know, we had more freedom in the world. There's no more freedom than following the perfect will of God in your life. That's the best freedom you'll ever find. Amen. Uh, and it's just a lie. You know, people say, well, we had it better in the world. Let's do things more like the world. I have no interest in being like the world. Amen. Uh, and so, 
so Jesus starts here. So we're going to look at some of these churches, some of the things they did, what the Lord said about them. Uh, and just, uh, well, I don't know how long we'll spend in there, but uh, there's, a, there's just a lot of good information here that I think is relevant uh, to us today because who wrote this? Uh, the Apostle John did by the direction of the head of the church. So if the head of the church himself, Jesus, now, of course, everything that's written in the Word of God was, was directed by the head of the church, right? Because he's the head of the church. He wanted to make sure that these certain things were written down in the Bible for our benefit. And he protected that word, made sure that we have access to it. Now, you know, it's, it's, uh, we have good access to the word of God. Uh, and, uh, and so the Lord Jesus himself is talking to John and uh, says some things about the church. So let's start here. And uh, let's just start in verse one of chapter two, book of Revelation, chapter one, or book of Revelation, chapter one, chapter two, verse one. He said, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, of course, Revelation, there's a lot of, a lot of allegories, right? A lot of types and shadows in the book of Revelation. We're not going to go through all these things. I mean, we could spend the rest of eternity trying to figure out what all these things mean, right? Because uh, then you've got to go over to Ezekiel and start talking about wheels and wheels, and, and we don't even know what any of this stuff means anyway, but uh, I'm sure people know, some people know what it means. Uh, but... Uh, so we're not going to go through all the types and allegories, but in general, when he's talking about these seven golden candlesticks, uh, that he's talking about the seven churches here that he's, that he's mentioning here. And uh, you can look at the seven golden candlesticks as being the pastors of those local churches. So he's got a lot to say about the leadership uh, in these churches. Uh, and so he started out here talking about the church at Ephesus. Uh, he said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And, has, and thou hast tried them which say they are our apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and hath borne and hath patience for my name's sake, hath labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works, or else I will come to thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, uh, which I also hate. And then verse 7 uh, is where we, really when we start. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, this phrase is repeated. I think it's repeated in every, every one of the churches. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And that's one of the most difficult things to obtain is a hearing ear. Because a lot of times people will hear the word of God but they'll react and go, yeah, that's not for me. Well, what do they have? They don't have a hearing ear, right? Uh, and, uh, but then he goes on to say, uh, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the, church, what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So then he's, he's encouraging them, you've got to overcome, right? You need to overcome. Uh, there's value in overcoming. And so, Verses uh, 2 and 3 are the Lord's evaluation of the church at Ephesus. He said, I know thy works uh, and thy labor and thy patience and how thou, thou canst not bear them which are evil, which thou have tried them which say they are apostles and are not uh, and have found them liars. Uh, and so he, so he goes on through all the things there. Uh, and, and for the church at Ephesus, when he was evaluating them, yeah, and we'll just summarize them here because we could spend all day just going through all of that stuff so many different times. Uh, but uh, he encouraged them about uh, these um, things. Um, yeah, the, these uh, six things here. Uh, but they can't bear and tolerate them which are evil. So that was a good thing, right? You can't bear and tolerate them that are evil. And you would think that would be kind of an obvious thing in the church, right? That uh, we don't bear and tolerate them that are evil. Well, you know, in our world, in our society right now, what's, what's one of the biggest words we've got to learn? Tolerance, right? Got to be tolerant. Got to be tolerant. Well, tolerance is, you know, uh, it's not what the, the world thinks tolerance is approving of everything that everybody does. That's not, that's not biblical tolerance, right? Uh, biblical tolerance is, from a biblical standpoint, is I will allow you to make all the mistakes you want, but I'll still love you. And, but I'll acknowledge that what you're doing is wrong. You know, you can tolerate somebody like that. Tolerance is not approving or accepting of somebody's sin. 
Now, the world's, the world's trying to demand that we approve and tolerate you know, homosexuality and transgenderism, blah, 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 whatever sin of the day is. Uh, and, and they not only want you to tolerate, but to approve of it. We can't approve of sin. We're not going to approve of sin, right? It's just sin is sin, and we're not going to tolerate it. And we're not going to approve of it for sure, right? Uh, we won't condemn you for it. Jesus didn't condemn people for sinners. That's why he came, to help sinners. But we're, we're, we've got to make sure that we, uh, that we don't tolerate uh, sin. In fact, um, uh, in Romans 16, I'm just going to read this one verse here. In Romans 16, 7, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, uh, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have heard and avoid them. Well, that doesn't sound like tolerance at all. That sounds like, hey, I don't want to be around you. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had somebody one time tell me, he said, well, you know, I've tried your spirit. I've tried your spirit. And you're wrong. It's like, okay, well, you don't do they even know where that verse is at, right? It's in, it's in the book of 1 John, right? It's talking about that. But it's talking about trying spirits to see if, if they declare that Jesus came in the flesh. And they tried my spirit. I mean, that's, that's the purpose of trying spirits is to know which side of the, the fence you're on, right? Are you on the devil's side or are you on God's side? And, you know, devils will never admit that Jesus came in the flesh. But they tried my spirit. It's like, well, you know, you're just making stuff up, right? They're just saying, I ju- I'm, st- I'm your judge. Well, you're not my judge. The Lord's my judge. And, and you know, if I came up and said something foolish, and, I mean, not just foolish, but uh, heresy that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, okay, fine, just leave and never come back, right? Which is what you ought to do anyway. Have I ever, I mean, it's just amazing people's, you know, their children, right? Uh, but, but what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to see if somebody, Mark, right? That word Mark means to pay attention and, you know, and list down people that cause divisions and offenses. Those are the kind of people we're supposed to avoid, right? Now, who was Romans 16 written to? In the church. Are there anybody in the church that caused division and offenses contrary to the doctrine? Sure. What did he say you're supposed to do? Avoid them. So, well, you know, you've got to walk in love. You can walk in love and still avoid somebody. You know, it's possible, right? Now, you don't have to hate them, desire ill will for them. I mean, you know, but people that do that stuff like that, I got no desire to be around them. People that sow discord, I got no interest in being around them. I don't even want to be around them. People that are full of pride and always trying to prove how the church is, you know, the church is wrong. You know, we don't have a church. You know, you sound like that prophecy from back in the 1900s that there won't be a church because of radio. I mean, it's the exact same, you know, and how that pan out didn't pan out at all, right? So, so we don't tolerate people like that, right? Uh, and, and, you know, uh, when I was with my pastor, people start talking bad about my pastor, I just walk away. You know, I, just, I ain't got, you know, gossip trying to find something wrong with him. Well, you know, I don't, you know, I don't like the way he dresses. So, I mean, and that just, well, you know, that message, you know, uh, he said it was 10, it was supposed to be 5. You know, he said it was, it was John 3.16, you know, it really meant John 3.15, you know. I mean, just always time uh, trying to run somebody down, right? What's, what's someone like that doing? They're causing division, right? I walk away with people like that. I, and mark them, I go, that person is somebody I don't want to be around, right? And that's what Jesus said. It's a good thing you don't tolerate them that are evil. And, you know, uh, it's not just evil uh, uh, being horrible things. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 3 talked about an evil heart of unbelief. It, it didn't, we didn't say an evil heart of hurting somebody, hit, killing somebody. Evil heart of unbelief. Well, I don't believe God does miracles. That, that's, uh, and, and, oh, brother, you know, well, you know, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, think, you know what I mean? We don't tolerate stuff like that, right? Now, it's not my job to correct everybody. I don't run around my finger pointing, oh, you're wrong, your doctor's wrong, you know, your verse is wrong. And that's not my job, but he just said avoid them. Uh, and, you know, you, is there a law there? There's no law, but you have to decide, is this person going to help me get to where I need to be? And if they're only a hindrance to you and they're causing division, then you might consider that this is somebody that, uh, that you don't, because that's one of the first things he told the, the Ephesians, that you don't tolerate evil. And he said that it was a good thing. You remember the story there in, in um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 where the man was sleeping with his, with his stepmother. And, and everybody knew it. So what was everybody doing? They were tolerating evil, right? They were allowing evil to be in their midst. Now, you know, uh, in that scenario... Uh, you know, people will take that to the legalistic extreme and say, well, then we can't have any sin in a church. Well, then everybody, including the pastor, needs to leave. We'll just have an empty building. And I mean, is that what we do? 
No, we don't do that. I mean, you know, there, there's a certain level of, of, of uh, patience and long-suffering for people that are not perfect because we want people to come here that are not perfect because that's the only way to get perfected is to come to church and learn something, right? If you're already perfect, then why do you need God? Uh, you need, we all need God, right? So there's a balance to everything. But if it's just open sin and they're just doing something that everybody knows and just kind of flaunting it, which was the, was the deal uh, there in, in 1 Corinthians, kind of, hey, look at us, you know, we're sinners, be cool and hip like us. A lot of people in church are that way. You know, well, if you don't, if you don't do the same sin, well, then you're not cool like me. Uh, you know, I had a fellow come in and said, you know, he said, I'm looking for a church that, where there's liberty. So I said, you found the church. We've got more liberty here than you'll ever find. Uh, I mean, we're so free to worship God, free to love each other, free to walk in the word of God, free to do the will of God. He said, well, would you go to a, a, a restaurant and, and have a glass of wine with me? Look, that's your definition of freedom is drinking alcohol. Where in the Bible is thou shalt be free? You know, I know Galatians 5.1 says that it was for freedom's sake that I set you free, but it didn't, say, it didn't say it was for freedom's sake that I set you free so you can have a glass of wine at the restaurant. But that was his definition of freedom. And, then, and I said, well, no. Well, he, he, said, he said, why not? I said, and I explained to him why, why, you know, I wouldn't do that. And he never came back. And it's like, he said, the Lord told me to come here. I'm like, well, that's funny. The Lord told you to come here and then you never come. You know, that's, isn't that funny how people, well, God told me to come here. You know, uh, and, and um, I mean, just like one person said, well, I left because you accused me of something. And, then I, and I read what they said. They accused him. I said, well, you misunderstood what I said. That's not what I said at all. Uh, and, they, and they said, well, the next after I replied, and I don't usually reply, but I did on this one. Just, you know, sometimes you have mercy in people because they're foolish and, uh, and they act foolish, you know. But, but so you try to help them out. And, and they, well, you know, God told me to go somewhere else. But that's not what you said the first time. The first time you said you left because I, I offended you by accusing you of something you didn't do. And then when I explained that I didn't actually accuse you of anything, now you change your story. That God, but God told you, well, what's wrong with the first story? I mean, you know, you know, so you don't really believe the second story either. But uh, and so, so you know, it, it's uh, uh, people people are going to accuse you of things and, and, and do things, but uh, we don't tolerate evil, right? Uh, and again, you, the le- you have to balance that out with being legalistic about anytime anybody ever does anything wrong, you bury them in the backyard. That's not what it's talking about, right? It's talking about typically people that are, are uh, doing things in a public way, flaunting their sin in front of the church and acting like their sin is not, there's not anything wrong with it. That's a problem, right? But if people have, are struggling with things and having problems in their life and well, then come to church. That's where you need to be is in church, right? But if, you're, but if you don't want to change, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with the way I am. You know, I'm just, that's just the way I am. I'm Irish, you know, whatever. You know, they come up with some, some you know, I'm Irish, you know, that I'm hot-headed. What's that even mean, right? Oh, it didn't say be angry and sin not unless you got red hair. Then it's, it's okay, right? I mean, is that what it says? It doesn't say that, right? So, so uh, he said that, that you don't tolerate them that are evil. Uh, and, and so people that are causing divisions... And off there, they're walking in evil. Now, would they die and go to heaven? As far as I know, they would. I'm not their judge, right? If they say they, they confess Jesus as the Lord, they can go to the Lord and still do un, ungodly things, right? Didn't James say that, uh, that sweet waters and bitter waters come from the same fountain? He said they do, but he, what did he say? These things ought not be so. Now, they, But why did he say that? Because sometimes they are so. Now, they shouldn't be so, but sometimes they are so. Amen? So... One of the ways that the, the church at Ephesus was, was uh, uh, approved of by the Lord Jesus is they didn't tolerate evil. Uh, and so you have to know in your own heart, you know, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? We all know what it looks like, you know. But you'd be careful that you don't become legalistic. And if somebody has any kind of mistake or, well, you, know, I, you know, did you hear? Uh, you know, someone t- uh, they tell me a story about when they went to Europe uh, and they had, there was a, a church conference and they were just sitting there talking to people and they said, I said, brother, you're from America? Yeah. He said, we heard that Christians in America drink coffee. Is that so? That can't be so, right? Uh, because for them, drinking coffee was a sin. Now, I don't know why. Maybe because of the caffeine or whatever. But, you know, you go to Europe, they drink alcohol like it's, you know, like it's tap water. I mean, you know, you go to any of that. You know, I have some alcohol, right? Uh, and, and, but, you know, co- co- you know, I don't know if it's still that way or not, but hey, can you believe you drink coffee, right? So, I mean, you know, if you're... I heard, I heard they drink coffee, caffeinated coffee. Can you believe that? Not the decaf stuff, you know. And, and um, uh, so, you know, 
what's the balance? Well, the balance is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will show you what the balance is, right? Uh, and so, uh, so you know, you, uh, be careful about making laws. But if somebody's storing up division and, and uh, offenses, causing offenses to the church, mark them, right? Keep an eye on them. Even if you don't, uh, you know, you don't need to bury them in the backyard, but, but be aware of them, right? This is somebody that, that's not going to help me get to where I need to be, Amen. And so we'll, we'll, um, we'll look at some other things. But uh, I have really enjoyed, you know, I don't know if I will t- tell you all the things that uh, I've been learning from these things. I've really enjoyed going through these things because when you look at it from the perspective of these are things the head of the church wrote to the church. Hey, here's some good things. Here's some things that you need to straighten up about. Then it seems like we should learn from those things. Amen. And just looking at it, it's like we've got some work to do, right? Uh, I think it would be helpful to, to see these things. Yeah, and so, you know, around here, I think we've done a pretty good job of not, uh, uh, of, uh, not tolerating evil, right? Uh, because for me personally, as a pastor of the church, I would much rather just let somebody move on than to have them stay here and cause evil, right? Because there's some people that just, they're just not going to change. Well, fine, then just need to move on, right? But everybody that walks through the door ought to have a desire to change. And if you don't, if, you're, if you've already arrived then maybe you need to see if the head of the church position is available. Because, I mean, obviously you're doing as good a job as Jesus. So maybe he's tired and he's to retire, right? I mean, hey, Jesus, I can do it. I got it from here, right? I mean, if, you, if you're perfect, right? I mean, you know, uh, but I would like to sit in on that conversation with Jesus when you go talk about that, though, right? <laughs> right, right. Because uh, then he'll pull out the list, right? You don't want Jesus to pull out the list uh, because he's pulled out the list on me many times. And Lord, I don't like that list. You know, I'm going to make that list shorter. Right? But it, it, I always get them done. But as soon as I get one off the list, it's like, well, how come you added three more? I'm never going to get done if you keep adding more to the list, Lord. And, but that's just the way it is. Right. So so we'll, we'll look at some of the things that churches have done and good things and bad things. Right. Most of them had uh, were commended by the Lord. I think the only one church was like, you ain't got nothing good going on here at all. You all need to straighten up really bad. Uh, in some churches, he didn't find anything wrong to, to, uh, to, to talk to him about. So, so we'll, um, uh, we'll continue on this. Amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you for blessing us uh, each and every day, Father. We thank you for your word, the precious word of God that you've del- delivered to us by the hands of men over many years and many centuries, Father. We thank you for your spirit that dwells in us, that leads us and guides us in all truth, shows us things to come. And Father, we thank you for all these wonderful things. And just real quick, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you know, if, you, if uh, we're talking about the Lord Jesus, talking to the church, but if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus uh, and have never asked him to come into your heart, live inside you, and become a Christian, uh, if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to ask the Lord to come into your heart, uh, if, if you'll raise your hand, we'll pray with you, pray for you, amen, get you into the kingdom of heaven uh, so that you can see Jesus, amen. We all want to see Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for blessing us each and every day. And Father, we thank you as we gather together as your people to to receive an offering on your behalf, uh, that you're faithful, Father, over your offerings, over the finances you've given to us, to watch over them, to bless us, to increase us. And so, Father, if you're faithful, then we will be faithful to give as you instruct us, Father, to give according to your word and by your spirit. And Father, we call this offering blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, don't forget a couple of things. Uh, tomatoes in the kitchen, right? Uh, and um, also, uh, if you want a copy of the book about uh, uh, building a strong local church, then uh, get a copy of that. It's free. And, um, uh, but only if you're going to read it, right? Uh, and, uh, but it's an easy read, so uh, I read, read it pretty quick there. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, um, um, you know, there's just a lot of philosophy that goes on in, in a church and how you should run a church. And uh, the nice thing about, you know, I've never been to Pastor Anderson's church, but the nice thing is, that, you know, everything he said in there is like, you know, that's always been in my heart, you know, and, you know, we're doing those things. Um, and uh, he does it on a, on a slightly bigger scale. You know, he's got a big mega church down there in Florida somewhere. But, um, but still, the same heart to, to run a church should be in all of us. Amen. Uh, and really, you know, I know each church can have a different flavor, but overall, the churches should, you should feel comfortable anywhere you go to church, amen? Uh, and as long as they preach the Word of God, you know, um, in fact, we're going to be going to a service tonight uh, over in Cleveland. Uh, and I think I mentioned that to you that uh, Pastor Hagen's going to be over in Cleveland for the next three days, today, tomorrow, and Tuesday. 
And so if you're interested in, in uh, going to any of those services, let me know. I think it's tonight at 7, tomorrow at 10. Uh, is it maybe in 6.30 tonight? I don't know. But uh, is it 7 tonight? And then um, I think it's 10 o'clock on Monday and Tuesday and also 7 p.m. on uh, Monday and Tuesday as well. So uh, don't forget we have a healing school today at 3 o'clock. So be blessed and uh, you're dismissed.